It's Saturday night. The kids are in bed. Which means we did it. We survived another week. So let's talk about it. From our latest homebrew project. To kids crafting projects. It's just talking life with two young kids and two dogs. Grab your favorite beverage. Sit back. Relax. And see where the conversation takes us. Sometimes we don't even know until we get there. This is the Craft Parenting Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to this week's episode of the Craft Parenting Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Another week has flown by and it is once again Saturday and time to record another episode. My name is Joe Ludwig and with me is my lovely wife and co-host, Caroline. How's it going, Caroline? Well, we are officially in fireworks season. It is like a whole week and a half before 4th of July and there are fireworks going off every night and Clara is a very hot mess. Last night, I had to fall asleep while snuggling with Clara's butt because she was afraid of the fireworks and I just wanted to go to sleep. So I'm pretty sure I fell asleep snuggling Clara's butt. Yeah. She wanted to go under the covers and you wouldn't let her. No, because then (laughs) she won't get out from under the covers and she takes up too much space. (laughs) I have boundaries. She doesn't know how to respect those boundaries, but I have boundaries. Well, she is right here on my foot, which I cannot feel. Thanks, Clara. But at least she's visible, unlike our other dog, who is taking up the entire bed. Hey. Probably. It's the only time she gets to be in our bed these days. Clara takes up too much space during the night, so about halfway through the night, Zoe goes downstairs and sleeps on the couch. Which is nice for me, because I get to stretch out my legs, but Zoe likes to snuggle in bed with us. I mean, she likes our bed more than she likes us, but she's a teenager. Well, I mean, we think we all agree that our bed is awesome. I love it. Sleep Number should become a sponsor with how much I tell people they should buy a Sleep Number bed. We have another great show planned out for you today. We are going to talk about how we got started homebrewing back in 2017 and kind of what the steps are to, to get going if you're interested in that. So let's dive in and get started. <laughs> But first, before we get into all that, what did we do this week? Well, Sunday was a little weird. I woke up in a strange land. We were in my mother's guest bedroom. Your childhood house? Yeah. But I wasn't in my childhood bedroom. I was in the room that, well, we had two bedrooms that weren't used as bedrooms. I was in the computer room. Well, you were in the computer room too. Lily slept in my room and Elliot slept in the office. And the house had AC. That was the important thing. Because if listeners will remember last week, I was complaining about being in a house that was way too hot while we were recording because our AC unit was busted. But that's all fixed now. Yep. And mom utilized us while we were at her house, well, mostly me, to go through some of the last of my things at her house. She handed me this giant stack of documents and said, here's everything from the filing cabinet that's yours. Keep what you want and pitch what you don't. I want to say the stack was like three or four inches high and I maybe kept an eighth of an inch. And that's just because there are two ridiculously old Girl Scout catalogs that one of my Girl Scout friends would like. Hmm. So I'm giving them to her for historical reference because she's a historian. But it was like old doctor's notes, 
and all of my old school report cards. There's a pretty funny one. So my first grade teacher wrote on my end of year report card, because yes, my mother still had my end of year report card from first grade. She also had my kindergarten report cards, but my first grade teacher wrote, Caroline still dilly dallies around from time to time. She's a bit of a daydreamer, so I have to remind her to stay on task. She does get her work finished. However, she could do it in half the time if she didn't stop to smell the roses. What are your thoughts on that, husband? That sounds nothing like you. Nothing (laughs) like you. I can hear the eye roll in your voice. (laughs) So we finally had our date day that we were supposed to have on Saturday where we went grocery shopping because when you're married with small children, a date day is going to the grocery store with no children. I mean, fortunately, our kids aren't bad at the grocery store yet. Lily doesn't really know that she could ask for things. And Elliot just kind of sits in the stroller and doesn't do anything. Or he sits in a front pack. But once Lily realizes that she can ask for things, then we'll start having issues. But Sunday was our sixth anniversary in addition to Father's Day. Yep. So we had a joint celebration, just the four of us, because Mom and Larry already had plans for the evening. So they left the house to us. You made some delicious ribs, and it was really tasty. And Mom stayed out ridiculously late. Like, they didn't get home until almost 10. We're like, uh, you guys coming back home? You stay out later than we do. (laughs) I don't think that will be typical, though, for when they're staying at our house. We'll see. So Sunday night, we continued to stay the night at my mom's house. And Monday, the plan was for mom to come over to our house so she could watch Lily while Elliot and myself went to the doctor's office for our respective doctor's appointments. But our house didn't have a C still, so Lily just got to hang out at her grandma's house all day while you got to hang out with the AC service tech. I don't know if hang out is the right word. Spend quality time with? (laughs) (laughs) I was working in a very warm house. But you were in the basement. The basement's cooler, right? Yeah, it was cooler. Well, he went in and out, in and out, in and out. And he was not happy because he was working by himself. The boss was on vacation in Florida. And the other guy was who knows where. Another job somewhere else. Yeah. And then they have like a contractor who helps out and he was caught up in something. So he was he was in a really good mood. Let me tell you. Do you have any new curse words you want to share with our listeners that you learned? I do not. (laughs) But I, I love our AC guy. I do. I do too. He's great. And I like the company. They're very responsive. I mean, he says it like it is. Yeah. He does not mince words. So someone pisses him off, he lets you know. If you piss him off, he lets you know. <laughs> yeah. But I, I gave him snacks when we, when Elliot and myself swung by the house to drop you off lunch. I was like, here, have some snacks. Eat some food. It'll help improve your mood. Please don't pass out while you're trying to install my AC unit because you're no good to me if you pass out. I was asking him about the, the supply in AC units and all the parts and stuff because, you know, we... We have all kinds of shortages. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you're lucky to get this unit because that was the last one and they don't know when they're getting any new ones. Oh, that's why the price was so much higher than what he verbally quoted us. He's like, I think it'll be in this range. And it was like the high end of that range. I mean, if they don't know when they're going to get new ones, because he kind of looked at me crazy too when he was over on Saturday. And I was like, what's the lead time for getting a new unit? Because we could have repaired 
our old unit, but the old unit was pretty old and we were 95% sure that that was what was going to ultimately fix it, but we didn't know how much longer it would continue to run. So I was like, well, we can either fix it or what's the lead time to get a new unit? Because if we can get a new unit on Monday, let's just go with the whole new unit. But if it's going to take two weeks to get a new unit, we're just going to kick the can down the road and make this one work. Yeah. So he said we were lucky that we we got what we got. Yeah. Said that they are made in the U.S. in Indiana. Oh, nice. But they can't find anyone to work. Yeah, I know there's, it's hard to find people all over the place. We're hiring like crazy on our manufacturing floor right now. We have plenty of people, but we like orders are crazy. So we need more people to help make the orders if we can get parts in from our suppliers to fulfill those orders. So like we're having some supply chain issues, but there's also some worker shortages. We're one of like two or three places like on just the short part of the street that I see that have signs up in front of the building saying, hey, we're hiring. Please call to apply for a job. Yeah, I think it's going to get pretty crazy for a little bit and then hopefully it'll settle down. Yeah, as people, well, when certain jobs got closed out because of COVID, people either went back to school or switched career paths and went to something that was a bit more stable isn't necessarily the right word, but basically they shifted career paths. And they have all these shortages in these other areas caused by people shifting career paths. So eventually it'll balance out again. It'll just take some time. I hope so. But then he installed it by five. He promised us we would have cool air by five. And he lived up to his promise. He did get his two buddies, not just one, to come help him. That's good. He finally got to meet the other people that work for the company. I still haven't met them yet. No, these were the contractors. Ah, okay. They were the helpers. So while you were telling me that the AC was back on, Lily was napping and Elliot was, I think, sleeping in the middle of the living room floor. Or he was up. I'm not sure. So Elliot got shots on Monday and Elliot is not a fan of getting shots. He just is a cranky baby the rest of the day. So I had put him down for a nap in his bedroom. But then like 20 minutes after I put him down, he woke up a fussy mess. So I was like, you're just going to sleep in the middle of the living room. So in that way, it's easier for me to keep an eye on you. And if you fuss, I can just pick you up from whatever it is that I'm doing to calm you down. And that actually kind of worked out. So I was able to pack up his pack and play early, but Lily was still sleeping and all of her stuff had become scattered throughout the house at that point. So I had to start rounding things up and loading stuff into the van, which Lily was not happy about. She was just she I don't know what was going through her little mind. She was just not happy. But we finally all got under the same roof. Well, all of the humans were under the same roof. We ate dinner and then you went and picked up the dogs. So we were officially all under the same roof again. Yes. In a nice, cool house. The dogs stayed at my mom's house for the entire weekend. We stayed at my mom's house Friday into Saturday. And then we moved to your mom's house, which is like two minutes away from my mom's house. I mean, at the moment, at least. For now. For another three-ish weeks. Well, by the time this publishes. By the time this publishes, it'll be one more day. And they'll probably they'll probably be living in our basement by that point. Yeah. Oh, boy, that's scary. <laughs> we can do this. We got this. But we moved here, moms, because they had more space. Yeah. There was more space and we could sleep in the same bedroom, even if it wasn't the same bed. Because at your mom's house, I had to sleep in a room with Elliot while you slept in a room with Lily. And you have to be very careful when you're sleeping in the room with a small child because you can't stay up. You pretty much have to go to bed when they go to bed so you don't wake them up. 
I mean, you could have hung out in the kitchen or something. I think we were all pretty tired at that point, <laughs> too. <laughs> we had just driven through a storm we probably should not have driven through. So we got the dogs from your parents' house. But, like, your parents had also been talking about, because they were back down to being a one-dog household after their oldest passed away. And they had talked about getting a Clara dog. So I don't know if they had been, in fact, like, hardcore looking for a dog. Or if having Clara for the weekend because they want a dog that is like up their butt with snuggles. If that kicked him more in the pants to get a Clara-like dog. <laughs> but they finally told us on what was that, Thursday? Like, hey, we're picking up a dog on Saturday. Yeah. It's very short notice. Yeah, they, they found a dog. Almost, I mean, she... I mean, we met her today and she's pretty much... She has the same mannerisms as Clara. I mean, for now. For now, Yeah. We'll see what happens when she breaks out of her shell. We only had her for a day. I'm sure she was pretty nervous. Yeah, we're going on like 36 hours at this point. Not even. Yeah. So um, Tuesday, you went You went back to work. Yep. I had to work Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday this week. But schedule got swapped around. So next week, probably, we're going to talk about local ice cream shops. But in preparation for recording about local ice cream shops, I stopped at a local ice cream shop on the way home from work. And then, because I had had a day at work, we were like, hey, or you had had a day. We just decided we were going to go to the pool like as soon as I got home from work. And so everybody got dressed. We're about to walk out the door. And I was kind of scratching my head like, hey, there were two dates posted in the swim club that they would be closed due to a swim meet. I remembered one of those days had already passed, but I couldn't remember if the other day had or not. Maybe let's call them before we walk down there. And I call and no one's answering the phone. And finally, when I was about to say, well, if nobody's answering the phone, that must mean that people are there, I guess. I don't know. Someone answered the phone and I was like, hey, did you guys close early today? And they're like, yes, we closed at four. And I was like, oh, hey, Lily, we get to play in the splash pad. <laughs> <laughs> so you made dinner while Lily and myself played in the splash pad in the backyard. Meatloaf, right? Something like that. Yes, probably meatloaf. Yes, meatloaf, because you were asking where the meatloaf recipe was. Lily didn't really play in her splash pad, though. Oh, I forgot. On Sunday, Lily played in her splash pad and she had a blast. But Tuesday, she I, she liked her splash pad, but she also had her swing set. <laughs> so she mostly played on the play set. But I was splashing in the splash pad. I wanted to splash with her. So we survived Tuesday. Wednesday, I don't remember exactly what we did. Other than you had a dance party with the kids after dinner where you just had both of them on your lap and they were watching whatever Disney music video was playing Moana or Tangled or whatever I have my own special playlist you do in my head on YouTube you can't add kids videos to playlists oh that's annoying well how do my playlists exist then I have two different Lily playlists on my phone one's a Sesame Street one and one's a Disney song one YouTube made it for me well that's different if YouTube made it for you but sometimes people upload like kids songs but they're not labeled as kid yeah so sometimes that happens so if that happens, then I guess you can add them to a playlist. I don't know. Technology. Back in my day, YouTube didn't have ads because it was privately held. Yeah. Back in my day. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That and me wanting to, like, have yeah. strong words with the people shooting off fireworks. So this brings us to Thursday. Mom is like totally unable to help hang out with the kids at this point. Unless if she's like, 
here to watch the kids because they are like selling like they are moving out of their house so now I just get pictures of like empty closets and empty corners of the basement and your baby teeth and my wisdom teeth (laughs) mom sent me that picture and like I told you I shouted something up the stairs at you because she sent it to both of us And I was like, yeah, I told her, I was like, yeah, you could use those to clone me, but please get rid of those. Like, no, I do not need those. You do not need those. Just get rid of them. And then we're at your parents' house and you finally look at your Snapchats and you're like, why is your mother sending me pictures of your baby teeth? If she brings those baby teeth into our house, I'm kicking her out. (laughs) And I was like, don't worry. I told her to throw them away. We do not need them. Fact that you have to tell her that. (laughs) She wasn't going to keep them. She thought she had already gotten rid of them. But story time. I don't even know why. Back in like 2010 or 2011, it was like relatively early days of us dating. We spent a whole day deep cleaning your Oma and Opa's house. Like I remember cleaning like like deep cleaning windows, going through their, their bathroom drawers where your aunt found your Oma's dental assistant equipment and the baby teeth for her and your father. And like because your Oma was a dental assistant for a very hot second before before she had your aunt because that was the days where you had a job until you had a kid in which case you promptly quit your job and said I home with kids now so your aunt was like why do you even still have this dental equipment you haven't done this in like 50 years your Oma did not know why she still had it I know why though because they never got rid of anything still don't they still don't so while the AC guys had been out at our house on Monday they were over at my mom's house on Thursday to clean their AC unit and their furnace and give them a once over to make sure that everything was good and then while they were doing that a guy came out to our house to hopefully give us a quote to fix some stuff in the sunroom because like the sliding glass door doesn't work very well anymore and we need some screens replaced but I still haven't gotten a quote from them So I don't know what I'm going to get a quote. (laughs) Eventually. Maybe. We actually went to the pool as a family, though, after you got off work. So Elliot finally got to hang out at the pool. Like, I say finally. Lily had maybe only been to the pool once since the last time Elliot went to the pool. But Lily goes to the pool more than Elliot does. And then Lily got to hang out with her twin friends, whose names are Cameron and Caroline. But they call her Care Bear or Caroline. And he's Cameron or Cam. We finally know the kids' names. Uh, We just vaguely talk about the children. We don't really talk about us at all while our children are playing around each other at the pool. And they're just being klepto, stealing each other's toys. She steals the toys that they bring. They steal the toys that we bring. It's fine. Kids going to do what kids are going to do. Their little girl was just kind of, she wasn't very interested in the pool. No, not this time. Her and Lily sat on a beach chair, like on a, a beach lounger on opposite sides and just kind of stared at each other. Might have babbled at each other a bit. Just kind of sat and hung out. And then Lily got back in the pool. (laughs) Lily loves the pool. She does. We have to drag her away. Yeah, she's not happy when we leave. Lots of screaming. But she's cute. And then Friday. Friday. It was work and then run home because Zulala. Mom watched the kids at our house and then we finished packing the kids suitcases, got ourselves dressed, threw the kids in the van, just like literally threw the children in the van, threw the stuff in the van and we dropped the kids off at your parents' house because we were going to go to Zulala, which is the zoo's biggest fundraiser and so much fun. And the kids spent the night at my parents' house. And unfortunately, I think your parents got Elliot on 
gonna I'm about to grow a lot night because he woke up at two o'clock in the morning hungry and then he proceeded to sleep half of Saturday and he slept for a good four hour stretch today I woke him up because I was like hey you haven't eaten in like five and a half hours it's you need to get something to eat, but he was fine. So we had VIP tickets, which meant we got to show up at 6.30 instead of 7.30. And we actually got there at like 6.50. I was very proud of us. We were like kind of on time. That is very, very unlike us. Well, with two small kids, it's hard to do anything on time. So we got to get some drinky drinks. They were handing out glasses of Prosecco as you were walking in the gate and these plain little cups. And then I saw people walking around with little plastic zoo wine glasses, like stemless wine glasses. And I was like, wait, where'd you get that? And they were like, oh, up front. But they didn't have any when we walked by. So after we got some snacks, I look and they have the wine glasses there. So I go grab one. And then while we're in line to get you another beer, I'm like, okay, I will hang out in this line. You go get me another glass of wine from that table up front. So we will have two of these plastic wine glasses, one for Lily and one for Elliot, because they're perfect for open cup drinking or the water table or just me to drink wine out of. We need these cups in our lives. And it was very useful because I used one of them to have water in it the rest of the night. So we always had water with us. So Zoo La La has food vendors scattered all throughout the zoo where they bring in like little bites. So they've got tents scattered throughout the, the zoo with all of these different food vendors at them. So they have like some coffee places, some donut places, some fancy eating places, some fancy dessert places. So you just end up with like this little tray of food where it ends up being maybe like five bites of food at the most per your little plate. But by the end of the night, you can have a lot of food if you plan it right. Actually, you don't even have to plan it because you can go up to the same vendor and get 10 of the same thing and they'll be like, whatever, sure, fill up on guacamole. I don't care. They used to have specialty cocktails. Well, I think they did have specialty cocktails, but like they used to have specialty cocktails scattered throughout the zoo. So you could go to a table and get like a little schluck of their specialty cocktail. Now you have to give them two drink tickets to get that specialty cocktail. And it's like an actual like half a cocktail, I think. We didn't get the cocktails. You drank beer and I drank wine. So we stuck to our drinks for the night because that is how you help prevent hangovers, not mixing up all your drinks together. Chick-fil-A was there handing out cookies and little gift cards for free Chick-fil-A sandwiches. So we got us some of those and then I got us some more of those. I was very proud of me. I only went up to the booth twice. There are so many people at that event. You probably could have gone by like four different times throughout the night and he wouldn't have even noticed. I was very proud of you. Yeah. We didn't come home with a million Chick-fil-A cookies. But there was also a vendor there trying to get me to drink coffee. Yes. They were like very adamant about having you drink coffee. Like I was just like, no, thank you. I was like, maybe depending upon what you got, he won't, he'll want something. And it was like, no, because it was like nitro and nitro like super gets you jacked. Well, nitro was a different one. This was just normal coffee, I think. Mm. Iced coffee. Maybe, but it was too late in the night at that point too. Yeah, it was like 8.30 or something. We had a timeline from we had to pick the kids up in the morning. So it wasn't like we could sleep in because we had stuff we wanted to do around the house before we picked up the kids. And we had to pick up the kids by 11 so your parents could go to pick up this dog at 11.30. So it's like, yeah, we actually need to go to bed when we get home. But we wandered around the zoo. They have DJs and they have DJs scattered throughout the park and they had two or three bands as well. They had a one-man band. They had a two-person band and they had like a three or four-person band. And they 
also had a DJ or two. So you could hear music pretty much wherever you were at the zoo. They had a nice little booth where a woman was doing body painting or henna. And so I got my arm done with a nice big flower on it. It was really pretty. I was really bummed that I had to wash it off when we got home because she put glitter on it. And so there was just glitter all over my arm. And I love glitter, but it is the herpes of craft supplies. I'm stealing Dimitri Martin's joke. Once you get it on you, you can never get it off. And I did not want to introduce that into my bed. My bed is a sacred place. Glitter is not allowed. But it was really pretty. We'll post pictures of that too. Because I don't think I've posted pictures of that yet. That brings us to Saturday. Saturday, we got up and got us ready to get the kids. And by that, I mean did stuff around the house before we had to go get the kids. So I assembled the kids' new double stroller and we threw it in the back of the van. We parked the van on the street because basically as soon as we walked into the house, your parents started walking out. They're like, Lily's over there playing. Elliot's upstairs sleeping. Here's where most of their stuff is. Bye. We're like, yeah, we did get here at like 11.03. This is what we expected. We'll see you guys later with the new dog, we guess. So we still had not eaten breakfast at this point. Wait, no, I think I had a slice of cake. I had a slice of cake because I needed something to eat. I did not eat breakfast. I offered you a slice of cake and you said no. So, so we took the kids to brunch because we were hungry. Lily almost threw, she almost threw a, a plate. Yeah, a plate full of grilled cheese sandwich. Just like behind her and there was a table right behind us. She kind of started crashing at first watch, though I feel like it was one of the longer times we've had to wait for food at first watch. So she was just getting ants in her pants. Like she wanted to go do stuff. Why am I still in this chair? What's going on? So after we finished eating, we threw the kids in our new double stroller and went on the walking trail. And even though Lily was exhausted, she fought nap time like crazy. Though I guess because she was exhausted, that's why she fought nap time so much. She did go down for a nap around two. Yeah. I think we started. Nap time at like one. Yeah. It took her about an hour to go down. Yeah. So Joe cut the grass. After Elliot went to sleep, I started working on organizing the kitchen and dining room, which is still a work in progress. And thank goodness the cicadas are all dead. (laughs) Yes, the cicadas are all dead now. No one dive bombed me. (laughs) Well, when we were at now, like definitely by the time this posts, all of the cicadas will be gone. But there were like three cicadas that we heard on the walking trail. And I was like, buddy, you're probably too late to find love. Just go die like all of your brothers and sisters did already. (laughs) like poor guy yeah and yeah lily was just a little crazy person all of saturday she wanted to get into everything she wanted to just like always be doing something and elliot just slept i haven't really like paid attention to whether or not he looked bigger i'm sure that he grew like half an inch overnight or something because even today he slept a lot so he's definitely growing and that was saturday So now it's time for what's bugging Caroline in children's TV. Caroline, what is bugging you in children's TV? Surprise, surprise. We're talking about Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. So this episode is teaching us about the days of the week. And we sing a song about the days of the week. So Minnie will know her schedule because Minnie had all of these calendar pages that told her what she did every day of the week. 
and the wind blew them away because it was very windy outside. So now we have to go collect all of her calendar pages. But the pages themselves don't say what day of the week they are. They just have little bows where you would typically see like Monday or Tuesday. But the handy helpers have a black and white printout of her whole week, which is what we're comparing our calendar pages to. So why doesn't she just use the black and white thing that the handy helpers have? Like, because it makes more sense than her little individual calendar pages that are just going to get mixed up again. Because otherwise, how else is she she's supposed to know that she like plays tennis on Tuesday or whatever day of the week that was? I don't even remember. I don't know. <laughs> like, I feel like it can't be that expensive to change the font, like to change the text at the top for different languages if you have to overdub them anyway. But Mickey Mouse Clubhouse also doesn't really use words a whole lot. They do go more off of pictures. But even if it was just like an M, T, W, T, H, like on the individual pages... So better correlated to the day of the week. I don't know. Are you you're saying that that because the show probably has an international audience that they they decided not to do that? That's the only reason that I can think of them doing that because they didn't want to have to like go and change the text to whatever language it is that they're dubbing it in. But I'm like, just put the days of the week on the pages too. But toddlers can't read. Well, not with that attitude. (laughs) You have to just stay consistent with things. And I just, but like legitimately, like the handy helpers, every time we have to figure out what day of the week these calendar pages correlate to, the handy helpers unfold a black and white version of her calendar week that's all just one big page, which really is what she needs. Maybe you can upsell her next time you see Minnie Mouse. I totally would. (laughs) I'm also going to ask her when Mickey will finally propose to her. Because that was the hilarious thing about getting engaged in Disney. Was the cast members would tell us to harass Mickey and Minnie about when they're getting engaged. Like. It wasn't like other people were telling us, oh, for a laugh, you should do this. No, legitimately, the cast members were like, hey, you should ask Mickey when he's going to finally put a ring on Minnie's finger. (laughs) I noticed you have an adult beverage, Caroline. What are you drinking? Well, I'm drinking something that came from this strange unmarked bottle. (laughs) I don't think it's moonshine. I'm pretty sure it's legal, but there's like no label on this at all. It tastes really yummy, though. So mystery drink. I'm drinking mystery drink. We're actually drinking the same thing, but two different bottles. So we are drinking a homebrew that we made in January. Mmm, homebrew. It is a Schwarz beer, which in German literally means black beer. Very creative with that name. Yes. Because this beer is very dark and would appear to be black. Well, the thing about that is there's a style in Germany called Dunkel. Which means dark. Yeah, so Dunkel and Schwarzbier are different styles. They're very similar, I would say, but on a technical level, they are are different and they taste different. Yeah. But this is a Schwarzbier and it is brewed by Bridgetown Brewing Company, which is our our fake company. It is not. We are not incorporated. But if you steal that name... We will, like, TP your house or something. <laughs> and this is indeed a Schwartz beer. And it is a homebrew. And the ABV is about 4.2%. I'm pretty sure that's what I calculated it as. So we went to the Wikipedias 
because Wikipedia is the arbiter of truth. Obviously, if it's on the internet, it has to be true. Wikipedia says, A Schwarzbier, or black beer, is a dark lager that originated in Germany. It tends to have an opaque black color with hints of chocolate or coffee flavor, and are generally around 5% ABV. It is similar to a stout in that it is made from roasted malt, which gives it its dark color. So yeah, I mean, you can definitely taste the roasted malts in this. Oh yeah, and you it's can very smell good. Them. It's very good. And it's so yummy. Very strong chocolate-ish flavor. We did put chocolate malts in the, well, Listerman put chocolate malts in the kit, so that's what I used. So yummy. Yeah, and we'll talk more about this in our next segment about how we do homebrews. Yep. Cheers to the weekend, and Lord help us in the week ahead, because starting tomorrow, we are going to have to do it all over again. More crazy adventures are ahead, and we will make sure to share them with you each week right here on the Craft Parenting Podcast. So in our main segment now, we are going to talk about how we got into homebrewing. So we've always been interested in beer. Like we drink wine, but we're not like super like drinking wine all the time. We're more likely to have a beer in our hand than a glass of wine. I I drink wine like I drink beer. I drink it too quickly. Yeah, and that becomes problematic. Yeah. (laughs) When you're normally like 4.2% drink is actually like 9%. I should say I have a tendency to do that. I think I've matured a little bit, but... We also don't drink wine as much as we used to, so that probably helps. Yeah, like you said, I was always interested in it. Any friends who did it? My uncle used to brew his own... Wait. I think he made his own wine, my great uncle. My grandpa might have at one point too. We got bottles from your dad. Yeah, my dad did it a few times when I was in grade school with, with their, I wouldn't call him a neighbor, but he's some someone who lives in our neighborhood. He used to live in our neighborhood. Yeah. We hung out with. And your dad got the bottles. Your fr- His friend got the brewing supplies when they didn't do it anymore. So he was like, oh, I had all this stuff, but not anymore when we were talking about actually getting into it. Well, he, my dad was talking about it. And he's like, I never could get it carbonated because he bottled his his beer like we do. Oh, and he might not have added sugar to it. I asked him if I asked him if he added priming sugar and he said he didn't think so. It wouldn't surprise me if they didn't. So I don't know if that's like a new thing or I mean, I really shouldn't. Yeast acts like yeast acts, right? Yeah. I mean, it's probably more of a how educated were they? And if they weren't educated enough, they wouldn't have known to do that as far like as far as like educated in the brewing process. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the kits that we get come with the priming sugar. Yeah. But before kids, the room that we now call the library slash multi-purpose storage room these days. (laughs) Slash office yeah it was it was the library slash craft room slash bar and we were gonna build a bar in all of our spare time in all of our spare time and that never happened i also never really like super used it as a craft room like i think i only crafted down there maybe a handful of times it was mostly just a library slash transitionary space for lots of items that don't live in that room but lived in that space for quite some time eventually i will get all of the baptism presents put away i think the presents are mostly put away i just need to put the bag somewhere i think that's where we are with that now i'll find out this week because i need to work on that space next 
So, and then as I've talked about before, I took a beer tasting class my senior year of college. And during that class, we toured three different breweries, Mad Tree, Rheingeist, and Listerman. And that was when Listerman's homebrew shop was in the space where their picnic tables are now. Mm-hmm. And their tap room was just the space where their large bar is now. And their bar was the little tiny thing that's currently in the space with the picnic tables. Like it was very jank, but so yummy. Well, Listerman was one of those craft breweries in Cincinnati that started as distribution only because it was illegal to have a tap room. Correct. Like it was the way the law was written. You couldn't necessarily have a tap room and a brewery in the same building. Like you had to go through a distributor. But there were a few ways to get around that, but it usually meant that you were just selling to-go beers out of your brewery, whether that meant cans or growlers just depending on you but well at that time it was really mostly bottles there weren't a lot of small breweries that were canning right because they couldn't afford the equipment to can so they just bottled everything Mm -hmm. because bottling lines were easier to come by and bottles were easier to come by as well really the growlers were took off after that law changed yeah so then after that law changed all of these breweries that had opened up as a well i can sell you a growler but i can't sell you anything to drink here on premises had to jerry rig tap room space mm-hmm. which is why you had a lot of these very industrial tap rooms because well this really wasn't meant to be a tap room this was supposed to be the holding place for our bottles before we put beer into them or before we shipped them out the door but this was the one spot that we could put a bar and some tables so here you go yeah, so I feel like Listerman had to throw together a, a tap room. Yeah. You know, to meet the market demand. And then they remodeled and moved some stuff around and now it's really nice. Yes. And that was when they had I wanna say three different labels too. They had the winery label, they had triple digit, which was their ten percent or higher beers, and they had Listerman. They have since combined Listerman and Triple Digit into one label to reduce confusion. Oh, it's not called triple digit. Nope, it's all Listerman now. Hmm, I did not hear that. Yeah, I think you missed that one. That was a few years ago at this point. We we liked German beer before we knew about the craft beer, before craft beer exploded. Yeah. Anyway... So that was like our craft beer before we even knew about like Geist and stuff like that. But then the 20, what do you call them? The tweens, 2010s. Oh yeah, just the 2010s. The aughts are the zeros. Okay, so the mid 2010s, that's when the industry exploded. Yeah, it was just like brewery after brewery was opening. It was a lot easier to find craft beer on shelves and at restaurants. And the law just changed so we could actually go to the brewery on in our free time yeah. and hang out. Yeah, so that's when we would start going to... There weren't a whole lot of places that we would go. Like We only went to Mad Tree a handful of times when it was 1.0. We've gone there the same amount of times, if not fewer, when it's been 2.0. We went to Rheingeist quite a bit, actually, considering... That it's like downtown and parking was always a bit sketch. Taft's Purporium. Taft's Purporium. Yeah, we went there a few times. And then when Brink opened, that was like our hangout. Yeah, after Brink opened, we're like, oh, sweet. We're just going to go to Brink all the time. (laughs) Because about the same time Brink opened was the same time the neighborhood bar that we used to go to, quote unquote, changed hands. So it wasn't quite the same anymore. They had a DJ like all of the nights that we wanted to go there. Oh, they still have a DJ, I think. I know. I'm not a fan. (laughs) 
<laughs> the beer was cheap, though. It was really, it's a really small hole in the wall. It's a dive bar. <laughs> yeah, and they cram a DJ in there with the, all Super the- Super loud music. With the all the equipment that you would expect with the really big speakers. And it was really loud. Yeah. And of course, if you, you can't go outside because that's where all the smokers are. Yep. And we both do not have good reactions to, to that. No. As far as our asthma and breathing is concerned. Yeah. So, yeah, if you want to go there, you have to stay inside, but you can't hear anything. Can't even hear yourself think. Yeah. So, we started going to local breweries. We go to Listerman every once in a while, too, even though that was a relatively crazy drive for us from our house. We'd start going these places in between German events that we went to. So, it's like if we didn't have a German event for the weekend where we could get decent German beer, we're going to go to a craft brewery. So, doing a very brief overview of beer. Beer is made with four basic ingredients by way of the Reinheitsgebot, but really they used to say three because yeast was not known to be a thing. It was just you had this magic spoon that made your beer do things because it was covered in yeast and they didn't know how to sanitize. But their four basic ingredients are water, hops, malts, and yeast. You can add in other things, the different hops that you use, the different malts, or the way that you roast your malts can also change up the flavors on things. After a certain point, you have to consider whether or not you're even making beer. Some things become very trendy and then just kind of suddenly die off because people realize that they were stupid. But for the most part, you need at least four ingredients. And the thing with the seltzers, the reason why breweries can make them is because they use a little bit of malt, but mostly they use sugar when they brew. And then they throw in like two hops. And then technically it's beer, even though it's nothing like beer, beer. Well, they were saying on on, um, Cincy Brewcast that apple cider is billed as a wine. Yes. So you won't see a lot of breweries making cider because it's very similar to the process of making wine and by tax and liquor license it's reasons. They are two separate things. You have your wine license and you have your beer license. And if you don't have both, you can't make apples. Well, if you don't have a wine license, you can't make apple cider. So if you're a brewery that doesn't have a wine li- winery license, you can't make apple cider. But if you're a brewery, you can make seltzer. At least that's the way it is in Ohio. Yes. I don't know if that's... See your own state guidelines. Again, do not come to us for legal advice because we don't know what we're talking about. I just make stuff up. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) We're not making this up. We did research. We did do research and I do know these things. I have attended multiple classes. I'm an expert. Asterisk. We're not an expert. (laughs) Did you not hear me say asterisk after I said expert? There's a footnote. I don't know where the footnote is, but it's somewhere. Home brewing is one of those things that you need to be in some capacity good at baking or following instructions and weighted measures and science because you need to have a basic idea of how the process works. Really, baking is just science in tasty form. Cooking is more of an art because baking, if you get an ingredient measure wrong or a temperature is wrong, you can really screw something up. If you do that in cooking, it normally doesn't end up as bad. That's why I said baking and not cooking. Yep. (laughs) So as Joe would say, making beer is a lot like making tea. To all of our UK and Indian listeners and Chinese listeners, I deeply apologize. (laughs) If tea is a big part of your culture, like, sorry about that. Well, the process of making beer is like is like making tea in that 
you boil the water, you put the grain and the hops in two separate bags, and you steep it in the in the hot water. I mean, I guess you're not wrong. It's just instead of tea leaves, it's it's you know, it's grain. It's grain, yeah, and hops. Yeah. So you boil your water with the malt bag in it. You, well, if you're home brewing, if you're using a larger system, I don't know. I haven't used a larger system before. We do everything very basic. We don't have. We really don't have much fancy equipment when we brew. We have a bo- we have a pot and we, we have talk a conical about, fermenter. We talk about the equipment later. Yeah. So you boil your water with your malt in it for X amount of time. You take your malt out. You bring it up to a boil. If you're like us, you use malt syrup to help get some more flavor into your beer. And you add that in. This is why I thought malt and grain was separate. No, it's because we use syrup. We use additives. Is additives the word I'm looking for? I don't know. We use malt syrup in addition to malt. So we get a lot of flavoring malts. So flavoring malts are the things that we put in the cheesecloth and that we do first. And that's where you're going to get a lot of the flavor. But then the syrup adds a little bit more flavor. It's more of like your two-row or your pale malts. Or it does, it's more of there for like a base. And it gets you a more it gets you more sugar. So you've got more sugar for the yeast to eat to poop out more alcohol and CO2. Mm. So then once you've added in all of your malts to whatever capacity you were supposed to, you bump it back up to boiling and throw in your hops and then you either do one or two batches of hops depending upon what kind of flavor profile you're going for and then potentially what you can do as well if once you get your wort which is what your liquid is called at that point because it's not beer it's not alcoholic yet it's just wort it has the ability to become alcoholic but we haven't gotten it there yet it's unfermented beer once you get that cooled down and put in your fermenter when you add in your yeast you can also add in more hops to dry hop your beer to get different flavors out of the hops that's more if you're doing some kind of hop heavy beer which we don't do a whole lot of those i think we've only had one beer that had a dry hop and i don't even remember which one that is i'll remember as we go through them so then you store your fermenter in a cool dark place temperature you kind of want to depend on what it is that you're brewing if you're doing an ale it can be somewhere a little warmer if it's a lager you definitely want it somewhere cool like 60 yeah degrees fahrenheit yeah for lagers do your research because i'm doing this off the top of my head lager yeasts typically want like a 55 to 60 degree fermentation temperature whereas ales want something closer to like 65 to 70 degrees there is like it doesn't sound like a big difference but it actually is a big difference temperature wise for where your wort wants to be so your yeast is happy and then it takes approximately two weeks for your yeast to get done pooping out all of its alcohol and CO2. And then when it's done, you have uncarbonated beer. You can get drunk off of it, but it won't taste very good because it's flat. And this is when you have to decide, well, hopefully you decided earlier, but this is when you decide whether you want to bottle condition or keg it. So if you're bottle conditioning, this is where you add in sugar, some sugar water to give the yeast something else to eat to poop out CO2 again, or you put it in a keg and you force carbonate it in the keg where you turn, you put your CO2 in the out, turn up your pressure and let it sit for two days. Turn your pressure back down, put your CO2 line back to the in instead of the out and you can pour out your beer at whatever CO2 pressure you have been told to do or whatever makes your beer happy. We have to make sure that we have a good seal on our kegs before we try using them again. Yeah, we wasted a lot of, of CO2 
trying to get that to work. Uh, well, and then afterwards we were like, oh, yeah, we probably should have bought new seals because, hey, the guy that we bought them from told us, you probably need to buy new seals for these. And we just completely forgot. <laughs> I'll take him to the homebrew shop one day to get new seals eventually because i mean it it does go a lot quicker because if you're bottle conditioning it it takes about two weeks before we can crack open your first beer that you'll enjoy because you can maybe do it in after a week but it might not be all the way there yet as opposed to kegging where three or four days after you've put it in the keg you can drink it if even that so i I just wrote down a couple of rules for home brewing that we typically follow well we, we do follow my n- rule number one at least in home brewing is deep clean and sanitize everything so before we even do anything that's what i do i mean it should be your rule for home brewing like no matter what that should be your number one because any kind of contaminants are not your friend they can change the way your beer tastes they can change the way your beer ferments if you get something wonky showing up we've never had a problem though so i guess we are doing something right yeah i mean we follow everything to the t so as far as cleaning goes but we have two dogs who tend to shed a lot and now we have a toddler who's sticky a lot. Yeah, so before we start the home brewing process, we vacuum the kitchen, the family room, the dining room, so nothing is in the air. <laughs> yeah, lately that usually means I go on a very long walk with the children, and you tell me when I can come back into the house. Yeah, I wet jet the kitchen. Well, we haven't we haven't brewed when Elliot was. No, we've only bottled after Elliot was born. Yeah, I wet jet the kitchen as well and wiped down all of the counters with sanitizing wipes. It is equally important to also clean and sanitize your equipment. So we went to our local. What do you what would you call it? Like a it's restaurant supply store. Restaurant supply store, and we got these little sanitizing pills. They're great. That we are. They're sanitizing tablets. Tablets, I guess, because we don't pill it. Yeah, it's like one per gallon of water. We throw like three or four in the sink and then fill the sink up quite a bit. Mm -hmm. The water turns blue. That's the important thing. And there's a difference between cleaning and sanitizing. Yeah, our kitchen ends up very wet at the end of all of this before (laughs) we've even started brewing because things are in various stages of drying. Yeah, so once I sanitize all the all the counters, we put down towels on all the the surfaces and then that's where we put all the clean towels towels that just usually came out of the wash and that's where we put all of the equipment so first you have to clean it so with soapy water that's phase one and then phase two is you have to sanitize everything with the tablets and everything so it takes a little bit so before you even get started boiling water etc etc and i mean there is like we potentially could be boiling water and doing some of the brewing process while we're cleaning all of this gear because if we sanitize the if like the first thing that we sanitize is our pot technically we could start brewing while we're sanitizing everything else we just get everything done because we don't want to mess with anything in process to worry about cross-contamination and by we i mean you (laughs) (laughs) i saw the look (laughs) well i mean like you said i'm the only one home when you when when we decide to brew because we have two kids now yeah but then there's rule number two and i don't really understand this one but this was in your little notebook Mm -hmm. it's all about water quality and believe it or not the your water will determine how your final product tastes so there are websites that you can go to that take all of like the aggregate information that people have 
have received or like they actually have information that they have received from the municipalities themselves of you so you can figure out who is it that you're getting your water your tap water from and what their tap water profile typically is but you can also like call or contact your water supplier to get what their water output is as far as like fluoride levels chlorine levels the ph level all of the stuff that will that can make a really big difference on how your beer tastes now a lot of the beers that we make it doesn't necessarily make as big of a difference but like if you're trying to do a pale beer differences in your water can make a very big difference in your beer I was going to say also that if you're doing a homebrew competition, that's where you want to get like really picky. Yeah. Because those got the judges, they are trained yes. to taste different, what, you know, different styles. Yeah. So based on what style of beer you're doing and what your water profile is, you can purchase tablets to change up your water based on what kind of water profile you want or the beer profile that you want. So you can get from A to B. Some people will just straight up purchase gallons of distilled water because if you're making a five gallon batch of beer, you probably need about seven, maybe eight gallons of water. So they'll just buy a few jugs of distilled water so they know that they're getting just straight H2O and then they can tweak that water profile on their own. We're not really into that. Like we haven't, we haven't been making our own recipes, so we haven't really had a need to do any of that to potentially enter into a homebrew competition. But for story time... The city of St. Louis has really, really good water, especially if you're a brewer, because Budweiser opened up a plant in St. Louis and was unhappy with the water quality that they were getting into their plant. And they determined that it was cheaper to overhaul the entire water treatment plant than to try to treat the water coming into their brewery. So the water coming out of the water treatment plant in St. Louis is brewer quality water (laughs) because most innovative and technology are driven by beer or the oldest trade in the world. Speaking of Budweiser, you learned in your class that Bud Light is the hardest beer to make. Yes, because they have four or five different breweries that make Bud Light across the country. But every time you open a can of Bud Light, it tastes like Bud Light. That is nothing. Which is nothing. Yeah. So like if they had any kind of impurity in their water, you would be able to taste it through a different something in the beer. Mm Mm-hmm. So the pale beers. So you might think that, oh, I'll start off with something like a Bud Light because that'll be pretty easy to make because there's not a whole lot to it. No, because there isn't a whole lot to it, it's harder to make because you have to make sure that your basics are down pat because if they're not, you're going to start to find all these imperfections in it. So next is rule number three. Pay attention to the temperature when you are storing your wort in or the bottles once you bottle. Depending on what type of yeast you use, the wort might have to be stored at a warm or cooler temperature. We kind of already talked about that one, but I wanted to bring that up. So if you're storing this stuff in your basement, which would be ideal compared to like a garage situation, kind of know the different temperature layouts of your basement. Some parts of your basement might be colder than others. We tend to use our storage room a lot, which has a pretty consistent temperature that's colder than the rest of the house, especially in the winter. 
but in the summer it can get a little bit warmer than the rest of the house if the sun's pretty bad some days and just in with beer in general once your beer is cold you want to keep it cold you don't want to let it get warm again because once it gets warm again and then you go back to cool it it can get kind of skunked it can get a bad aftertaste to it and you have to be careful with that when you're storing your home brew as well that you're not storing it somewhere where it'll get too cold then you put it somewhere where it'll get warmer and now it might mess with your flavor profile and you're talking about the finished product yes not the wort but yeah you you do want to be consistent with the wort too because you'll have i'm assuming you'll have similar issues but if you're if you don't have a basement or you know you don't have a cool place to store your your wort you can buy different equipment i guess that can regulate your temperature yes if you want to get fancy about it there is some moderately too expensively priced equipment that you can buy similar to what actual brewers use we do not own any of that but we we just like you said we use the storage room and we we put a little sweatshirt over our fermenter so it stays dark and we hope that the temperature stays a bit more consistent. Yeah, and that's rule number four. Light is not your beer's friend. No. It was, I don't know what episode it was. I want to say it was their Oktoberfest beer review episode. A podcast that I listened to, Have a Drink Show, did an episode on Oktoberfest beers in packaging. And they are mostly going with international, like traditional German Oktoberfest beers. And a lot of them are bottled in green bottles, which don't filter out light as well as the brown bottles do. That's surprising. Well, if you think about like Spaten's normally in a green bottle. There were a few of them that did green bottles versus ones that did brown bottles. And the brown bottles fared a lot better than the green bottles did as far as any kind of skunking. But it's also since they're transporting overseas you don't necessarily know what temperature conditions they were dealing with either they could have gotten cold and then warm and then cold and then warm and that'll really mess with your beer yeah so don't keep your fermentation vessel in a cool dark place we do have a window in our storage room so light gets in even if we're just using our basement we've used our library in the past as well just to make sure that no at least less light gets to our beer we throw a sweatshirt over our fermenter so it stays darker I don't know the scientific reason behind the light thing, but I just know that light is not its not good for beer. I feel like I did at one point, but I've lost that to time and not use of it. So how did we start homebrewing? So we did some research. What kind of beers do we like? Do we want a bottle or keg? We looked at the different yeast, but not, not really. But I mean, we learned about the different yeast, I guess, to some degree. But for the most part, we just do kits. Yeah, we just go up to the home homebrew supply shop and say, hmm, what kind of beer are we looking to drink in the next like three months? Yeah, there's a Schwartz beer kit. There's an Oktoberfest kit when Oktoberfest season is around. There's a Bach kit, which we did. You know, there, there's all kinds of at the at Listerman, which, which is where we shop. Yeah. And there are other homebrew shops as well. I'm sure people swear by them too, but we, we go to, we make a day of it and we go to Listerman on get the east beer, side of town. Get some beer, maybe get some food. Yeah, we, we get beer. They used to have food there and now I think they have food trucks. You can take classes and sometimes your homebrew shops will offer classes. Pretty high level, like high view stuff, nothing that gets super detailed. I mean, usually too, if you ask questions, there'll be at least one person there who's more than happy to answer them all day long. I did take two homebrew classes 
classes through the University of Cincinnati's Communiversity. One of them was led by the homebrew shop guy at Listerman and was only one day and the other one was a few weeks one day a week and it was led by the head brewer at Streetside Garrett so they were more like building your own recipes getting into more of the science of beer stuff that maybe one day we'll use but not until the kids are older (laughs) and either able to help out with the cleaning process yeah or able to help us drink the beer so they'll be more involved in the actual making of the beer. If it's still the thing that we're doing like 20 years from now. Yeah. And there is a science to it. I mean, last week, I think it was, we talked about the Missing Link yeah. beer that we had. That, that they, was a good beer. The yeast that they found. And in order to understand, you know, that, that that's a new yeast strain, a new brewer's yeast strain, you really have to know your stuff. Because mm-hmm. if someone just stumbled upon that, they could have screwed up the yeast, you know, and then we wouldn't have had that beer. But and now we're going to talk about ingredients. And like we said, beer has four basic ingredients, water, malt, hops, yeast. Correct. You passed the test. and these homebrew supply shops if you have them in your area they make it very easy you just go in and they're all weighed appropriately they usually come in a bucket yeah so the bucket is what they'll end up putting our malt syrup into so you end up with a bag that has that bucket and then a bag with all of your other ingredients in it so all of your malts and your hops and then your yeast and your priming sugar and your bottle caps Yeah, they give you the bottle caps too, which is really nice. Yeah. So you can customize to an extent what's in these kits. They won't necessarily change out hops. Maybe you can change out malts. We haven't tried to do that before, but you can for sure change out the yeast if you want to, because if you're getting a lager, but really you don't have good conditions to make a lager, they can swap out your yeast for an ale yeast that will kind of behave like that lager yeast taste-wise. So if you can't get down to that 60 degrees to get a good fermentation out of your yeast, you can swap it out for an ale yeast so you're more at 65 to 70 degrees and your yeast will be fully productive well my, my point was in the stock at least my point was if you want to do your own recipes yeah if you want to do your own recipes they've got a malt room that is just full of buckets of malts weigh your own ingredients here you go yeah but that that takes even longer because then you have to weigh everything out yourself and it's riskier too if you don't if you've never done it before yeah because if you mess up a recipe well you either got to drink it or dump it and Better hope you have the money to dump it if it's really bad. Yeah, and these kits aren't super expensive. Typically, they range from 30 to $40. Sometimes they're a little, like the seasonal ones, they're, they're a little bit more expensive than that. Not too much, maybe like 45 But they yield five gallons, or typically five gallons. You might get a little less than that. So I think that's, I mean, if you buy five gallon, that's about 60 bottles, 60, 55. It's about 50, 55 bottles. 50, yeah, of 12 ounce bottles. So I think that's on par with if you were to go to buy it at the store. Yeah. But in this case, it's your beer mm-hmm. that you made. So now we're going to talk about the brew day equipment and you can just rattle it off. Okay. So keep in mind with all of this equipment, you want as 
few seams and like small spaces as possible because you don't want anywhere for bacteria or yeast to grow. You want stuff to be as easy as possible to sanitize. So you need a five gallon pot or something that can hold more than five gallons, a long spoon, a thermometer, a hydrometer, which is what you use to measure the beer's gravity. So that's how you can calculate the alcohol by volume. Your beer's gravity before it ferments out versus after it ferments out are the two numbers that you use to calculate what your ABV is. Hydrometers are very fragile, so be very careful with it. You look at it wrong and you can possibly break it. They're not very expensive, though. No. You need sanitizer. We just bought some sanitizer at our local restaurant supply store. You want something that is an air-dry sanitizer. You don't want something where you're going to have to wash it after you sanitize it. You want it to just, you sanitize it, you set it out to dry, and once it's dry, it's good. A fermenter, you can use a carboy, which is just a very big, like, last six-gallon jug. Or we have a conical fermenter called the Brew Buddy, right? No, craft. A brew, or is it the brew buddy by Craft a Brew? I think it's just Craft a Brew. Yeah, so it's by Craft a Brew. I'm probably thinking of something else, but I'm thinking Brew Buddy. And it's a conical fermenter, so it's shaped like the fermenters that you would see at a brewery. And it has a mason jar at the bottom where you can clean out the trub or all of your sediment from your beer in that vessel. And then you can actually pour into bottles from that vessel without having to transfer. Because if you ferment in a carboy, you have to transfer into something else to actually bottle. And when you transfer you have to make sure that you don't grab any of that sediment off the bottom and then you also want extra ice so you can cool your wort down quickly otherwise just be prepared to chill for a very long time before your wort is cool enough to put into your fermenter and add in the yeast and then you need some way to let the co2 escape from the fermenter so we use the same tube when we bottle as our airlock when we ferment we clean it between the two things but we've got a bung with our with a tube coming out of it up at the top of our fermenter and then we dunk that in a stein filled with water so like the next day or two days after we start brewing after we have after we have brewed you can watch all of the bubbles come out through your airlock you can also buy these fancy little airlocks that just go straight into your bung and they're smaller. I don't know if I necessarily trust those as much because if the water evaporates out of them, you now don't have a CO2. You don't have a barrier, an oxygen barrier. And oxygen is not your friend once you have started fermenting. I guess that's rule number five, huh? Probably. Do not let any oxygen get into your system after you have started fermenting. So you've been very patient. You've waited two plus weeks. How do you know when it's ready? So you know when it's ready if using two different methods. One, you can be like us as we're fancy now and get a tilt. And when your measurement has stopped changing over the course of two days, then you're good to start bottling. And a tilt is this little... It's an electronic hydrometer that sits in your fermentation vessel and you connect to it via Bluetooth. You can also pay attention to the air coming out of your airlock. If you're super fancy, you actually open up your fermenter, pour some of your beer into a graduated cylinder, throw your hydrometer in there, check your hydrometer reading, do it all again the next day and make sure that your numbers are about the same and then you're good to go. Well, your numbers should be the same and then you're good to go. That's probably what the 
prairies do. I Probably. Yeah. We just go about two weeks or until we can finally bottle it. So the benefit of the system that we use is because we can take the sediment out, we don't necessarily have to worry about transferring it into another vessel when it's done fermenting. We just have to make sure that we clean out that trub trap because the sediment can change the flavor profile of your beer. Because once once it's done fermenting, you can move it to a secondary vessel and just let it sit in that secondary vessel for an undisclosed amount of time as long as you still have that oxygen barrier. You don't have to bottle it right away. So, but you've been patient, you've waited about two weeks or however long it took for your beer to be done fermenting and it's time to bottle. So... We're going to go through if you're actually going to bottle. You need approximately 55 12-ounce bottles. You're probably not going to use all of them. A five-gallon kit can yield four and a half gallons. It can yield five gallons. It can yield six gallons. It just kind of all depends on how your brew day went. Probably won't yield six gallons. I feel like we did at one point. Really? But that was like super early days. Lately, we've been getting like four and a half to five gallons out of our kits. So you can, if you have money to burn, I guess, you can purchase bottles at your local homebrew shop or you can just do the work and repurpose bottles that you drink. So we don't recommend using the same bottles over and over again. Definitely have some turnover with the bottles that you're using, but like you're going to buy a case of beer to drink. So just buy a case of beer that's brown bottles that don't have twist off tops. So no Bud Light, no. A lot of your like big breweries are already a no-go at that point. No Heineken because those are green bottles. Yeah. We typically do Sam Adams. Sam Adams is super local for us, though, so it's super easy to get a hold of. I mean, they're the biggest craft brewery. Yingling bottles are out because those are twist-off tops, too. Also green. Oh, yeah, they are, aren't they? Yeah. We've been doing a lot of Sam Adams bottles or Angry Orchard bottles, which is owned by Sam Adams, so they're basically the same thing. Local breweries, when we get their beer, you just wash the labels off of them, give them a rinse after you have drank all of the beer out of them so they're not all sticky and then come bottling day you're gonna run all of those bottles through your sink with soapy water in it and then again run all of those bottles through your sink full of sanitizing water my dad when he brewed he had pop top bottles Mm -hmm. which is like a european style but they're really handy Mm -hmm. because they're so much easier to cap yeah, you just have to be careful that they seal appropriately. Yeah, we did buy new seals for his bottles at some point. So for, in addition to those bottles, you need sanitizer. You need caps for your bottles. You need a capper. We have a relatively cheap one. I think it was like 16 bucks. Tubing, so you can transfer the beer to the bottles. And a clamp, so you can control the flow of the beer. And you also need sugar and hot water. So you're going to boil your water over the, on your stove. Once it reaches boiling, you take it off the heat. You pour in your sugar. Mix it all up until all your sugars dissolve. We typically add 50% more sugar than what the recipe calls for. So if the recipe calls for three quarters of a cup of water and three quarters of a cup of sugar, maybe I'll up the water content to a cup, but I will for sure up the sugar content to a little over a cup, if not like almost a cup and a half. And that helps with the carbonation. Yeah, we were having some issues where, especially with our early batches, we felt like the beer wasn't carbonated enough. And it came up in one of my homebrew classes. And the suggestion was, 
add 50% of your sugar, you could double your sugar and still be okay, but you could also potentially start popping off bottle tops. So they just said 50% should be fine because you are creating a pressurized vessel. And if you pressurize that vessel so much, you're going to start popping tops. And then you don't have any beer to drink because all of your bottle caps came off and your beer is now bad. But that's basically the the gist of, of brewing beer. Uh, we didn't really talk a whole lot about kegging because we tried it once and we pretty much failed at it. Yeah, we got to work on that one. The beer was okay. but It was. But you also had the pregnant lady flavor the beer and the pregnant lady couldn't really drink the beer. So. so we are just going to run down the batches that we've done over the years. And we call we call our operation Bridgetown Brewing. And it's a fake operation, so don't don't come after us, bro, <laughs> if you're listening. Yeah, we do not sell any alcohol. But that's what we call ourselves. Anyway, but we, we established in 2017. That's when we started, fall 2017. And that year, we brewed two batches back-to-back, pretty much. First one was a brown ale. That was a two-gallon batch. We didn't know a lot then. <laughs> we know more now. Yeah, and we, uh, our friend Matt came over and we yielded 12 bottles and we each got to take six. It was beer. Yeah, I mean, it was... I drank one of them. We did something wrong because we should have yielded way more than 12 bottles, I feel like. I think what it was was like you guys started off with like two gallons of water and then did not add in any more water, even though a bunch of water boiled off at that point. But we also did not have a hydrometer at that point, so you couldn't say what the gravity of your wart was, which really is what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why we didn't add water. (laughs) It was it was weird yeah it was it was very thick i'll put it that way (laughs) and then we did the winter warmer yes which we flavored with some cinnamon vodka which the person our own version of cinnamon vodka yeah it was cinnamon infused vodka we were told put it in a jar next to your beer and when your beer is done fermenting you can add a bit of this to your beer to give it that cinnamon flavor i had a cold at the time (laughs) (laughs) I was told I might have put in a little too much of the cinnamon vodka. I thought it was fine. This is like that mac and cheese. I thought it was fine. Everyone else is wrong. I think we added nutmeg too. I think we did too. We haven't done that since. We had some very cheap vodka, just plain vodka. We poured it in like a little cup. We had some spices on a spice rack. We added it to the vodka. I think we threw in some ground nutmeg and then a whole cinnamon stick through the jar, through the lid on the jar and just set it next to the fermenter. And I think this was the one where the, did the one of the batches, the bung popped off, like one of the batches that we did in the library, the bung popped off and I actually had to like wipe beer off of my books. It wasn't a lot of beer, but like it got so pressurized. I don't remember what batch that was. I want to say it was an Irish beer, but you don't have any Irish beers on here. I swear you're missing one or two. If you only went with what's on the book, we're definitely missing a few. I feel like we did do an Irish stout, but was that 2019? Must have been 2019. We brewed a lot in 2019, I feel like. It might have been like the end. Oh, it was the end of 2018, I want to say. It was after we did the Dortmunder because you were going to have it for St. Patrick's Day, maybe. So anyways, continuing on because people can't see the doc. In 2018, we did a Bach beer. We did a Bavarian wheat and we did a Dortmunder export. And we're pretty sure we did an Irish stout in there too. And then in 2019, you were pregnant. I was pregnant. 
for pretty much that entire year. A very good portion of that year, yes. From January until September. But we managed to brew three times. Yep. We have various stages of Caroline bump. (laughs) (laughs) We put Lily to work because that's who you were pregnant with. So we brewed a honey brown ale in March 2019. And the intention was to have it ready for Easter because... Honey ham. and Honey honey baked ham and honey brown ale. I think we missed it by a week or two. We got pretty close though. Well, we were going to be pretty close. Then maybe we just didn't bottle it for a while. Both are very possible. We were very busy people. And then we did the Bavarian wheat ale again because we did it the first time in 2018. It was going to be our summer beer like we were gonna try to do that beer every summer yeah and it was a family favorite too i think my my opa was like do you have any more of that beer yeah and he's like he was normally a corona guy at that point yeah he didn't really drink a whole lot he just you know drank a little bit he really liked the bavarian wheat Mm -hmm. and he requested more i remember and then we were crazy and we brewed an American wheat in July and we added raspberry and that's the one we attempted to keg. Yeah. The plan was we were going to either do two different American wheats or we were going to do an American wheat and an, a different wheat and one we were going to add raspberry to and the other one we were going to add blueberry to <laughs> and we were going to keg them both and we were going to have a party at our house where it was like, okay, let's... Let's see which keg we can blow first. That's what kind of baby you think we're having. Because we did not find out with Lily whether we were having a boy or a girl. Well, we did have a party. We had a diaper party for me. Well, yeah. So the, the intention was at that party we were going to have these two beers available. And then we had kegging issues. And then we remembered that none of our friends like to drink beer. Yeah, no one <laughs> drank it. But we were, we brewed that beer way too, way too late because we brewed it in July and the party was August. Yeah, we, we were cutting it really close with that we one. We were cutting it real close. We were assuming that, it, you know, we could keg it three days before the party. Yeah. Uh, build the kegerator because we had an old refrigerator mm-hmm. in the garage and we drilled holes and we had, you you know, tap handles and everything. It was going to be a thing. and No, we built it. We built it like that the week of the, <laughs> the, the party, I feel like, or maybe two weeks before. Yeah, we did not plan that out well. No. We tried. No, yeah. <laughs> not well, but we tried. <laughs> so then after Lily was born, we took a bit of a pause because small baby in the house and we brewed a vanilla milk stout. In March of 2020, I want to say we got the ingredients right before COVID, like locked stuff down. And we might have even brewed it before COVID locked stuff down. But we bottled it during COVID Mm -hmm. and we called it our social distancing milk stout. It was really yummy. We were big fans of that one. We need to do that one again. It was really good. You think I drank all of it? Yep. Because he got pregnant again. Yeah. And then we made a honey wheat ale. In August. Yep. And that was... That was, I think we still have some of that maybe. Or did we, or did you drink all that? Because that was pretty yummy too. No, we have some of that. It's in the refrigerator. Sweet. 
downstairs. Because this is a good time of year for that one too. And then most recently in January, right before Elliot was born, we brewed a Schwartz beer. We bottled it after he was born, but we brewed it before he was born. And eventually we will go and get another kit to brew another beer. But typically Saturdays were our brew days and now Saturdays are our podcast recording days. This is a long weekend coming up. Maybe we could brew this weekend. Maybe. That would be nice. It would be. I just need to take an inventory of our bottles. And the house. Because we're getting tenants in two weekends. So that is all about homebrewing. A very brief overview. Of our homebrew journey. Yes. That that was a brief overview of our homebrew journey. Maybe we can drive you crazy with editing one day and we can record a podcast while we're homebrewing. It would be a terrible idea because we don't really do much when we homebrew except sit around. Yeah, it's not very exciting. We can take pictures. We can. Uh, that's something that we would probably like stream on. Online, maybe? Probably. Maybe. Like a YouTube thing? I don't know. Is that a thing that you would be interested in seeing, dear listener? Let us know if you'd be interested in seeing us stream a homebrew day. It's time for Joe's Dead Joke of the Week. And I have a brilliant joke for you. It is so good. Hey, 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 no, no, no. I'm done with this segment. I'm taking over. Wait, is what? My segment now. Go away. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Four men walk into a bar. The head brewer at Miller, the head brewer at Coors, the head brewer at Budweiser, and the head brewer of Sam Adams. And they all sit down at the bar because they're going to talk industry because they just got done with the conference and they just want to take some time to relax. The brewer for Coors orders a Coors Light. The brewer for Miller orders a Miller Light. And the brewer for Budweiser orders a Bud Light. So then the brewer for Sam Adams orders a water. And the other brewers are like, what's up with you? Like, you're not going to order a beer because we're at a bar. Like, you should totally get a beer. And the brewer for Sam Adams responds, well, you guys all ordered water. So I figured I should get a water too. (laughs) And top that, Joe. All right. All right. All right. I'll give that to you. Mama's got jokes. (laughs) Whoop, whoop, whoop. Um, Do you get the applause? Do I get the applause? I get the applause. You get the applause. I'm the dad now. You are the dad now. (laughs) I haven't, because that's from that Cap, is that Captain Phillips movie? It's one with Tom Hanks where the guy's like, I'm the captain now. I use the I am the Senate a lot at work. From Star Wars. Yes, from Star Wars. <laughs> Episode three, Revenge of the Sith. Because there is a process at work where typically I am a very small portion of the process. But my boss is the backup for the guy who's like 50% of the process. And I am his backup. So if both of them are out of the office office i am like 75 percent of the entire process so when people ask me questions or like hey when can we get this get done i'm like i am the senate i am this process you must bow before me because i am master of all i mean i'm not that bad about it but (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm scared now (laughs) i'm a totally different person at work you should see me there sometime you should say applause now. Applause now. <laughs> Do it. Insert applause. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have you know I also brought cricket sounds. Wow. <laughs> I did. Wow. If you use those on my joke before you use them on one of your jokes, <laughs> I'm going to change your sleep number setting <laughs> to something that you will not like. <laughs> 
That does it for this week's show. Thanks so much for listening. We want to hear from you. If you have ideas for a show topic, if you have comments about a previous show, maybe you really liked it, or you learned something new, or perhaps you have constructive criticism. Either way, there are many ways to get in touch with us. You can send us an email at craftparentingpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at craftparentingpodcast. To get updates on when episodes have dropped, see pictures of our adorable kids and more. If you like what you hear, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. Make sure to share the show with your friends, family, your neighbor down the street. It really helps our show grow. You can also send us stuff to our awesome P.O. Box. Looking for craft supplies. (laughs) I don't have room for them right now, though. And pineapples. If you want to send us a pineapple. Oh, yes, because we will donate those pineapples to Stephen and his love of pineapples. Yes, our friend Stephen is looking for some pineapples. So send it to our P.O. Box. And our P.O. Box is listed on our website, which is beautiful because I designed it. And that website is www.craftparentingpodcast.com. Go check it out. So on our website, we'll post the show notes. Plus, I'm writing blog posts about some of the stuff that doesn't make it into the podcast. If you haven't already done so, make sure you subscribe to the show. We are listed on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about every podcast app out there. And with that, I'm Joe. And I'm Caroline. See you next time on the Craft Parenting Podcast. Peace. Andy Mountain, Charlie. I'm an old lady now. Badger, 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 mushroom, mushroom. A badger, 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 mushroom, mushroom. Ooh, it's a snake. Scary, scary snake. Ah, the early days of internet videos when you would have to go to albino black sheep and scroll, scroll, scroll until you found the thing that you were looking for. Potter, pupper, pals. Ah, yes, Potter, puppet pals. The good old days when they were actually puppets and not cartoons. Or were they cartoons first? I think they were cartoons first. I'm so confused. Oh, my goodness. Snape, Snape. <laughs> Severus Snape. Snape, Snape. What was the Severus one with... Snape. Dumbledore. I don't remember what it was, but it, when you would freeze it, and, you, and then there was a secret. Oh, yeah, there was the... Ron, he's like, follow the butterflies and following yeah. the butterflies. I remember that little Easter egg, but I don't remember which video it was in. It was someone cursing someone. Oh, was it um was it Wizard Swears? I don't know. Someone was cursing someone. I know Voldemort someone. was cursing someone at some point. Yeah. And they were like getting shocked. And you had to pause it and click on something and You had to click on the wand. Yeah. The magic from the wand. The good old days of the interwebs. But now you can just look up the Follow the Butterflies video. Yeah. Lame. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, maybe not. I mean, Joe's going to cut out half of what I said anyway. So here, Joe, you can start here after you cut out all that other stuff. <laughs> and then make sure you save this little portion for the blooper reel at the end. Editing notes done. <laughs>